Are you struggling to create engaging content for your B2B brand? Let Podcast Town help. Our expert services will help you develop a successful content marketing strategy, making your brand stand out and increase revenue. With our guidance, you'll create quality content that resonates with your audience and builds brand loyalty. Visit our website at podcasttown.net to learn more and to get started today. We help you launch, grow, and maximize. We help you launch, grow, and maximize. Because I had these dual careers that had their different ways of being. And what really got me at the time, LZ, was like, how can I move and plan and lead, you know, lead the movement of thousands of troops and the equipment? But this 5,000-word essay is kicking my butt. Like, this doesn't make sense to me. Um, and what I realized is that I had been taught how to do the former, but no one sits down and teaches you how to be productive. Can I get a oh yeah? What's up, enterprisers? Welcome to the Enterprise Now podcast, where we educate motivate, inspire, and transform business owners and entrepreneurs into success. That is what we do. We help folks launch, grow, and maximize. Charlie Gilkey is an author, entrepreneur, philosopher, army veteran, and renowned productivity expert. Founder of Productive Flourishing, Gilkey helps professional creatives, leaders, and change makers take meaningful action on work that matters. All right, let's dig in. All right, Charlie, can I get an oh yeah? Oh yeah. <laughs> perfect, perfect. First of all, Charlie, thank you so much for taking the time out to talk with us. I know you're very busy, so uh, the fact that you're giving us a little bit of your time is much appreciated. Thanks for having me. Second thing I like to do is to ask you to tell us about yourself. Uh, when I say that, I mean, feel free to go all the way back to when Charlie first began, or you can start more current day. Tell us about yourself. I'm going to meet you somewhere in the middle there. So, um, well, actually, I grew up in Arkansas. So I grew up, I'm multiracial black, so I have uh, multiple races in me, but I identify um, as black. And, um, you know, grew up poor and in the South. And so, that gave me sort of a lot of different perspective, especially about the idea of like what we create in this world is, is largely built upon what we create ourselves. And so I'm a new for a very early age that if I was going to be successful, it was going to be on me because like society wasn't going to give it to me. Um, and so, you know, that sort of went with me and I was also from a military family. So ended up after a little detour at the United States military Academy at West point, I mean, ended up getting my civilian education getting deployed for Iraqi freedom. Um, and then when I came back from that, I was simultaneously completing my PhD in philosophy and also still um, doing like a three quarter full-time job in um, the army national guard as a, an army joint military logistics coordinator, which is a mouthful, but it's basically the people who make sure the army air force and Navy are on the same sheet of music as it comes to their operations. And it seems so sophomoric now, but at that time I was like, man, I got to get it together. I'm just not, I'm not getting it done. I'm not being productive, you know, and because I had these dual careers that had their different ways of being. And what really 
got me at the time, LZ, it was like, how can I move and plan and lead, you know, lead the movement of thousands of troops and the equipment? But this 5,000 word essay is kicking my butt. Like, this doesn't make sense to me. Um, and what I realized is that I had been taught how to do the former, but no one sits down and teaches you how to be productive. No one sits down and teaches you how to do the stuff, especially when it comes to creative knowledge work. And so I did like any good officer and scholar would do is I started looking to see what other solutions people had found. And I kept having to retranslate and sort of synthesize and pull things together enough that, you know, that became the basis of productive flourishing. And I've been really in the deep cut of that work since 2007. And it's basically the same questions of like, why is it that when it comes to the things that we most want to do, we struggle the most? Um, I'm not so much interested in the questions of why we don't do the things we don't want to do. I'm more interested in why we don't do the things we do want to do. And so, you know, I, I kind of joke with my wife that had I probably gone to grad school three or four years later, I would be a behavioral economist, but it wasn't really known at the time. But largely, largely the questions that behavioral econom- economics ask and what I ask, they largely converge. I have so many questions, but I'm going to take a step to the left and ask a little bit more about you. What's, uh, what's your favorite thing to do? I'm terrible at asking or at answering one favorite thing. So if you ask me my favorite music, you'd get three. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to, I'm going to do that the same. Um, I love, um, playing guitar. I'm a singer songwriter, kind of like if Jack Johnson and Amy Lee had a baby, I'd pop out. Um, I love playing video games. I have to actually meter that, um, you know, be careful about how much I do it. And I love being, um, physically active in the sense of like hiking and, you know, exercise and things like that. I, I like being there. I don't like going there, if you know what I mean. Like getting off the couch is hard, but once I'm off the couch, I love it. It's kind of a good segue into um, my next question. Um, I think, help me if I'm wrong, but I, if I phrase this wrong, but you, part of the thing that intrigues you the most is why we don't do the things that we want to do or know that we need to do. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. So, so kind of a two part question, talk a little bit more about that and define productivity. What does that even mean? All right. I'll start with the latter um, because that's a, a little bit easier. So being productive is really about doing the things that help you become your best version of yourself. And so if the things you're doing are not helping you do that, then you're not being productive. And that's a somewhat different take from what the way we understand productivity and, and being productive in sort of the mainstream way we talk about it, which tends to be about getting more stuff done. But honestly, bro, like many of us kind of got more covered. We don't have the right stuff covered. Like we do more stuff, but we're not necessarily focused on the right stuff. And so, you know, to really pull it all together, mine is much more, you may have heard that conversation about the difference between efficiency and effectiveness, which is effectiveness is doing the right thing and efficiency is doing the things right. I'm much more in the doing the right things camp. And so I want us to really be focused on those types of projects, that type of work that one is going to lead to this best version of ourselves. But two, you know, when we really look back at the end of a decade or five years or a year, I know we're, we're recording this around the end of the year. So people may be hearing this mid, you know, later in the year, but a lot of us are asking, what did I do with this last year? What really did I accomplish? And then some are asking, what did this last decade mean for me? What did I create this year? So being productive is really looking at the actions you're doing at a daily, weekly, and monthly level and seeing and and making sure that they tie to this broader purpose that you're here to do and that your broader purpose 
is actually turned into things that you can do. So it's kind of a, a two-way street there. Are you focused on the right things? That's good stuff. If you had to, to give us one, I guess the best way to do that, right? Because uh, in my mind, you kind of work backwards, right? You have a, a goal or um, a, a thing that you want to achieve. And then you say, okay, what do I need to do every quarter, every month, every week, every day to get to that goal? So I guess give us some some tips on how to, number one, identify the right things to do and steps to work toward that. You gave a real natural way to do that. A lot of us are goal focused. And so we can work backwards from the goal. Um, there's a more subtle and sometimes more powerful way that we can look at it. It's like, who do I want to be or how do I want to be? Um, and then I can work backwards to like, what do I need to change in my life more so that I can be that way? So, um, you know, and, and think of like goals of being more mindful or being, you know, more charitable or things like that. Those are much more being that don't turn into a, they don't seem to turn into a project nearly as much. Right. But that's another way that we can do it. And I, I think, um, working backwards is a, is, is a great way to go. Um, what I will have to say though, is that, um, you know, it, it's been really fascinating to me. A lot of people come to me and they know what they want to do and they're struggling with the how to do it. But there are a significant amount of us who don't actually know what we want and it can be really challenging for us. And so, you know, I, I do executive coaching and I, and I work with entrepreneurs as well. And one of the hardest questions to answer for them to answer is what do you really want? And it's not just what do you want, but what do you like really want? People struggle with that one. People can really, really struggle with that one. And this morning, if you were to ask me with that, I might struggle with it too. Um, and so um, I think that's where sometimes that second question can come in handy is like, if you don't know really like what you really want, you can think about the ways that you're being now and the ways that you might want to be a little bit different and focus on those intermediate steps. And, and really, you know, and start finishing, I talk about projects so much one because I think that's where so many of us fall down but more importantly it's because finished projects are the bridge between our current reality and the life we want to live and the work we want to do and if you're not finishing the right types of projects you're staying stuck in your current world and your current life and so that's where I really want people to be thinking like okay there's this goal that I have to take that take or this way I want to be what are the the projects that would get me there, what that would bridge the gap between where I am and where, where I want to be. On a practical level, give us an example of, of a recent challenge that you've had and were able to overcome using that methodology. I'll give one that I, I think is more or less completed, more than the one that I'm work, working on. But if you want to talk about that one, I could do that one too. But um, so earlier in this year, yeah, it's, still, it's the penultimate day of the year. So the second to last day of the year. Um, so it's still this year. So earlier this year, you know, I stepped on the scale and I had one of those like, oh crap moments. And it was that it was the highest that I'd ever weighed in my life. And part of the issue was that, uh, first off, writing books are not great for your weight um, in the sense of you tend to be much more sedentary and, you know, it's a long project so you can sit to it. And I also had some health challenges last year that took me out of the game a bit. And so, you know, I stepped on, I was like, okay, that ain't good. And, and I'd been telling myself in 2018 that, you know what, like, getting through this health thing and finishing this book, those are my main projects right now. I could lose weight next year. I'm not going to worry about that because again, what mattered most was the health thing and finishing the book. Um, but here it was end of March and I still hadn't prioritized losing weight. So I did exactly what I walked through in the book of 
you know, I set a goal. I um, made space for the project. Um, in the, you know, I talk about different types of block planning that you might do. And there's a very powerful one that we creative folks have to like really focus on. And those are called focus blocks. And those are 90 to 120 minute blocks of time where you really focus on some significant project. And it doesn't necessarily have to be like creative projects. It could be cleaning out the closet of doom. It could be any of those types of projects where you actually have to sit through it and figure out what's going on. And um, I typically have always prioritized creative work to go during, especially my morning blocks, because that's when I have the most energy. But during this particular period, I was like, you know what, this is my priority. And so getting back to the gym, hiring a trainer, focusing on that uh, became the thing that, that displaced my creative work. And for about three months, I went hard at a train with a trainer three times a week in the morning was not fun in the sense of like, not the way that I'd ideally do it, but the way I'd been doing it was not working for me. And after about three months, I lost um, about 25 pounds, which is really great. I also, you know, went on the went on the diets and did everything. I picked up a little bit of it because um, of the holidays, but that's what you do during the holidays. But that was one where it was like one of those, like how I am right now is not how I want to be. What's the project? And the project was really creating that fitness routine that got me back in shape. Talk a little bit about, uh, you mentioned you hired a trainer. Um Talk a little bit about that. We're talking about productivity, how to be how you want to be. How important is having a coach or somebody who can offer an objective perspective to productivity? I think it's really critical, especially when you're talking about something that's a lifestyle change. And that's what we forget sometimes about fitness and diet. I don't want to hover there too much, but too many of us don't think about the fact that it is a lifestyle change because whatever lifestyle you had that got you to the health, health condition that you were in, um, is the what, what is what needs to be changed. Um, but in the book, I talk about success packs. And success packs are groups of people that you put around yourself and your project that really help you get it done. And it, it flies in the face of this sort of self-made person myth that we have in our society where, like, you do it all yourself and then, you know, you're, you're sort of that hero that can conquer the world by themselves. But the real trick, like, and though I write, I write about personal productivity, I think personal productivity is actually pretty brain corrupt. I think the real juice, the real progress in life comes from collective or community productivity. And so when it comes to success packs, there are four types of people that you want to put in your success pack. And those are your guides, which are the people who um, have more experience, more vision, more clarity about the situation that can help you with it. The second are your peers, which are people sort of side by side that can be sort of your brainstorming partners and soundboarding partners. You've got your supporters, which are people who do work um, with and for you to get your project done. And lastly, and most importantly, actually, are your beneficiaries. And these are the people who benefit from the completion of your project. Now, to your question, um, I built a success pack around me. One was a nutritionist. The other was a um, fitness coach. My wife was already on board with helping me out with this. You know, there were some team things that I needed to change around. I have a small team of about six people. And so I needed to change some of the dynamics around there. And so I really recruited everyone to help, to help me get this done. And I think it's absolutely critical because, one, you can't read the label when you're stuck inside the jar. And when it comes to sometimes our own patterns, but definitely our own head trash. And head trash is just the, what I call that collection of, you know, cultural um, BS that we add to ourselves, our self-defeating stories, the, you know, limiting ways we see the world, all that's head trash, right? Sometimes you just can't see that yourself. And those counterproductive patterns and that head trash 
actually is what often determines how we behave, even if we don't believe it. Even if we know, like, even if we don't believe that we're not capable of doing something, if there's enough powerful head trash that, that makes us think that, we um, will do that nonetheless. And so I think having people around you, one, will help spot some of those blind spots. But two, it just is an accountability and an awareness tool where you can say like, hey, I thought, you, I thought this was what was going on. Why are you doing that? And, that? and that's one of those weird things about being human is that when it comes to our own goals and our own priorities sometimes, we can be really, um, let's just call it flexible about them. But when we commit to other people, and especially when there's a potential, when there's a risk of status loss, like if, you know, people change the way they think about us, if we don't do certain things, we're much more likely to follow through with those commitments. And so success pack has the success packs have the added benefit of being a commitment device that once you've made the commitment, they will help you see it through. And the last thing I'll say about success packs, unless you ask me another question about it, is that what I encourage people to do is to create the success pack before they create the plan for the project. And that seems backwards for people. It seems like you want to go and create the plan and then you go get the people that are going to help you see the plan through. But it turns out that pulling your success back on prior to creating the plan helps you make better plans and helps you stick with the plan that is made as opposed to the other way around. And it also gets you in the game faster because let's be frank, when it comes to some of the really important projects of our life and the really important work that we want to do, many of us will put that off and do quote unquote research for a long time before we come up with an actual plan. So if we can short circuit that, that, that tendency to fall into analysis paralysis or research as productive procrastination, then we actually start doing the projects that are going to change our lives faster. There's a lot in there. Um, so people will have to grab that book in order to, to pull all of that out. Um, Time flies when you're having fun. Uh, but but before I let you go, I want to ask um, a final question and then um, get a, an actionable tip for the enterprisers to improve their business today. Let's get it. So final question. And this is uh, kind of taking us all the way back to the beginning. But I want to ask this question because it, it really g- gives good insight into what makes you tick and how you think. Um, and the question is, if you can meet anyone in the world would it be and what would you say to them? So I think it would be Antonio Guterres, which is the UN Secretary General. And I don't know so much that I would say much to the Secretary General as much as I would ask from sort of the global perspective, what, are, what do we need to be focused on to, fo- to really ensure that we have thriving humans on this planet in the next 50 years? That's a deep question. I would love to hear that answer. If you could give us one actionable tip that could improve our businesses today, what would that be? Take one courageous step every day. And the reason I say that is because most entrepreneurs, most leaders can, many, I won't, I won't say about, many of us can get caught into the what's the smartest next step. And, you know, we get into our heads about strategizing, but we know at the end of the day that probably, like if I ask the question, what's the smartest next step? people would go sort of in that. But when I ask, like, what's the most courageous next step? Most people know. Turns out the most courageous next step is usually the smartest next step. So whenever you're in a situation to where you're not sure what to do, take the most courageous step and just create that as a habit every day. And you'll find that your business transforms and and some of the relationships around you and some of the challenges transform into opportunities for growth and opportunities for 
um, accomplishment. Perfect. If people want to reach out to you, learn even more about what you do and uh, more about you, how can they do that? So if you're interested in my new book, Start Finishing, you can go to startfinishingbook.com. If you're interested in the broader body of work that I have, go to ProductiveFlourishing.com. And, you know, I talk about the intersection of planning and entrepreneurship and creativity and productivity at Productive Flourishing. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you again. Enterprisers, if you got value from that awesome conversation, let the world know by subscribing to the email list and leaving a review on your favorite podcast app. That helps us know that we're bringing you golden nugget field conversations with the most inspirational business owners. Reach out at podcast at enterprisenow.net with any feedback or questions for me or any of my guests. Thanks again, folks, and we'll talk with you guys next time. What a fantastic episode. Hey, listen, I want to know something. What is the top concern that you have in your business? Is it sales? Is it marketing? Is it finance? Operations? Shoot me an email, mayor at podcasttown.net. I want to start a conversation around these areas of business and how we can work together and help each other shine even brighter.